Welcome to Another Day Above Ground, a show for, by, and about baby boomers. It's the podcast for people who have no idea how to download a podcast. And now, here's your host, Dale Irvin. Thank you, Farad, and welcome all of my baby boomer friends to Another Day Above Ground. This is the podcast just for you because we talk about all things that are relevant to baby boomers. And when I say we, I'm referring to my partners, first of all, from the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado. Here is Carolyn Strauss. Okay, hi. <laughs> oh my gosh, wow, am I on this podcast? Wow, I'm having a baby boomer moment. Thanks, Dale. Hi, everybody. Wow. He's having problems with the time change. <laughs> and yeah, I'm an, great... I'm an hour behind myself. It's perfect. <laughs> great state of Indiana, the Aristotle of comedy, Mr. Tim Slagle. The Biden administration just announced today that not only are they going to ramp up production of the vaccine, they're also going to ramp up to Air Force One. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All they have to do is just reorganize the little conveyor belts that the luggage comes out on. And <laughs> Oh, my dear Carolyn, you're shaking your head because you're a dyed-in-the-wool liberal and, you know, God help you. No, I just I just found it interesting watching all that footage that he and Kamala Harris, our vice president, were on the same plane, wasn't it? Didn't it used to be a rule that the two of them never flew together? I thought that was a rule. I don't I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think, you know... The, well, somebody the Trump... has to operate the strings. <laughs> and I figure Mike Pence, you know, he was in a crate under the seat. So that worked fine, but but it just surprises me. No, I don't know if there is any such rule, except maybe in case of war, they have to fly separately. But I, I'm oh. not aware of, uh, oh, of that. I, I, I've known married couples, and I've met at conventions, who fly separately. Because they figure if the plane goes down, we want the kid to have at least one parent around. And I said, oh, well, welcome to Paranoiaville, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a story this week, you guys, though, that, that blew me away. Okay? Do you... Are either of you guys into antiquing or looking at other people's old stuff, or are your wives? I, I I used to when I was when I was on the road. I would always find that there'd always be like 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 one woman at the club that liked doing that, and it was always a great it was a great way to 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 get her out for lunch. It's like, oh, wait, can you show me the 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 the, the thrift stores and antique shops in town? And I used to do it all the time. With great loved loved doing it. Um, I went out once and a guy uh, told me, he, he uh, uh, said, you know, we should, we should go out. You know, there's some great, there's some great antique shops here in town. And the two of us went out and if there was ever any question that I was not straight, I learned on that day that we both were because, because you could tell it was the most uncomfortable. It's, it was the most, like, you know, with, with a girl, it's like, oh my gosh, look at that. That looks so nice. Look at that lamp. That's a beautiful, oh my gosh, it's mid century. You know, with, with a girl, but with a guy, it's like, hey, look at that. Yeah, pretty cool. see and i've never been a fan of antiquing right but occasionally when i'm visiting my mom there'll be like that antique roads show show thing on pbs and you'd see something that was worth 
like you'd think it was nothing and it was worth a ton of money. So I heard a story this week came out of Connecticut that somebody was antiquing and they found this white and blue bowl, very China, white blue bowl, which by the way, I believe my grandmother had a whole set of them, right? (laughs) And they took it to Sotheby's. The guy paid $35 for it at this antiquing thing and it sold at Sotheby's for $712,000 because it was one of 15 Ming bowls. And my question is, have you ever been to a dinner party and you turn over the plates? I've seen this in movies where people turn over the plates to see who made it. Did Ming sign the bottom of the bowl? I mean, how do they know? I don't even know how to serve Ming. I've never eaten it out of a bowl or a plate or anything. And that wasn't, I saw that same story. It wasn't an antiquing experience. It was a garage sale. Right. found it at a garage sale where you're buying, you know, people's stuff for like two cents on a thousand dollars. Yeah, amazing. Well, that's what he, you know, I read the article as well. And that's what he's saying. He's saying he found it at a yard sale that he's not disclosing. Uh, you, you know that sounds kind of uh, it sounds kind of fishy. It, it, it's you, you know you should at least disclose it. I want to see that guy interviewed that that got the thirty <laughs> that thought he was getting a steal for thirty five bucks for that piece of junk. Maybe he made him say, "Don't tell me, don't tell anybody where you got this now," because I don't want him driving my house by my house going, "Yo schmuck, you gave it up too easy." <laughs> Wow. But antiquing, you know, and and we used to do it quite a bit. I I collect some weird, rare antique stuff. I have a collection of antique razors and uh, and masks and all kinds of things that, you know, really going to look fishy when I go disappearing someday. (laughs) Anyhow, um, it, it takes money. Because it's something, as baby boomers, we can all use more of, and we don't want to lose what we already have. So we went out to find a, a money expert. His name is Richard Melanson, and uh, he is a speaker, an author, a business advisor, and, and a CPA. So I got to talk to you about my taxes. And uh, he wants to tell us how people waste their income and how they can do more with it. Richard, welcome to another day above ground, and thanks for helping our baby boomers with their money. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to spread my message. It's a message I'm really passionate about. And that message is what? The message is that you can have the good life. You can have everything that you truly want with the income that you have. You just have to do it in uh, in a planned way. You have to be smart about using money as a tool, not as a goal itself. And you have to be clear on what it is that you truly want. What about Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah. <laughs> he wants Michelle Pfeiffer and I want a pony. It's the same thing. <laughs> okay, let's say let's say I have uh, you know, I have a factory job. I'm making probably uh, 80,000 a year and I really 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 want a Rolls-Royce. How can I get that? Start saving today. Okay, baby but if boomers, I saved until I was 90, I don't think I'd accumulate <laughs> enough income. Well, yeah, if you're lucky, you'll, you'll win the lottery, the money will come in. Now, if you really want something that, that's that grand, um, you, you have to be somewhat realistic. But there are other ways to get a Rolls Royce other than purchasing it. You can rent one. You can lease one. You can buy a used one. You can go in with other people and buy it on on a timeshare program. I know a guy that couldn't afford an airplane, so he found four other buddies, 
They went in, 20% owners, they split the time that they, that they flew it, and everybody was happy. At the end, when they got tired of it, because it was just a toy, they sold it, and I think they made a profit. Mm. Well, see, already I'm thinking of a business for baby boomers, and that would be the escort business, because you really can't use one all night. So you go in with three or four of your buddies, and it becomes more affordable. You can't buy a Ford. <laughs> all right so uh so you know richard what why is it why is it that people can't stick to a budget they make a budget and then they can't stick to it the whole term budget is such has such negative connotations that people don't even want to think about a budget so once you told tell them that they have to stick to a budget that's the only thing they hear they don't hear about the benefits of using money wisely. They don't think about the goals that they're working toward. All they think about is this punishment called a budget. So I try never to use the word budget when I talk to people about saving money. I talk to them about what are the goals that you want to achieve, and let's talk about a way, a path, for you to get from here to there so that you can achieve your goal. Wow. Have you told this to the rent-a-car people? Because they're going to have to change their name. <laughs> all I mean, right. I think it's a fair point. Yes, it is. I, all my points are fair. They're they're terribly dulled, but many of them are fair. <laughs> Carolyn, you had a question that we were talking about beforehand that you wanted to ask Richard. Yeah, Richard. So it's almost tax day, and you're a CPA as well as a speaker and all that other good stuff. How do we pay less taxes? Help. Well, first thing is that I'm not allowed to talk about illegal activities, so that's off the table for this discussion. But the best way to not, not... And I tell people all the time that making money leads to paying taxes. The only way to not pay taxes is to have lots and lots of children or to not make money, which is almost the same thing. Claimed children. So, Claim children, yeah. What about cash businesses? You know, it could be in a totally cash business and not pay taxes. Um, that That is an illegal activity if you're making a lot of cash and you're not reporting it. It's, it's illegal not to report the income that you have. So um, uh, how do you not pay taxes? You invest the money and not take a salary, and you keep it invested and not turn it over. In other words, don't, don't uh, sell any assets you have. Just invest in the assets, let them grow, and then when you're ready to receive some income, know that you'll have to pay tax on the income that you've taken. But um, that's true of everybody. If you make money, you pay taxes. The more money you make, the more taxes you pay, the less money you make, the less taxes you pay. But if you're focused on taxes, then you're not focused on success. Because if all you wanna do is stop your income, you're, you're keeping yourself from being successful. You're living in perpetual poverty. And that's a trap in and of itself. So not paying taxes as, as a goal is really a self-defeating goal. I have a question. I'm, I'm not married. Would I have more money if I was married? Depends on who you marry. Uh. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> so, Richard, what about kids? You know, they say nobody's teaching kids the value of money today. I remember, you know, I've, I've had a job since I was eight years old. It was a paper boy. But it taught me how to make money, how to save money, how to sell newspapers and stuff. But nobody's doing that now. What can we do to help our kids or our grandkids as baby boomers? 
Oh, I think that's an excellent question. Uh, I, I firmly believe that kids should be taught responsibility at an early age, as early as seven years old. With each year, they should be given a privilege along with a responsibility so that they have something to look forward to each year, getting one year older, taking on a new privilege, and also taking on a new responsibility. For example, it's at age seven, they can learn to make their own bed. At age eight, they can learn to take out the garbage. And with each um, responsibility, they, they should earn a privilege. So at seven, if they're making their bed, maybe they can stay up an hour later and watch TV. At age eight, maybe they can pick one of the TV shows one night a week or two nights a week. So on from and on. A, from a pre-selected list, of course. Well, it's it's going to be TV for the family, so the family yeah. they are watching it, the TV programs. No, no Game of Thrones. Only if the family is there to edit it. <laughs> Bridgerton for children. Bridgerton with with um with puppets. So should kids get a get a uh, uh, what did you call it? allowance? I never got an allowance. Are kids supposed to get an allowance to teach them uh, how to better use money, or should they just you know go to work in a factory? So the very young children really don't need an allowance. Uh, they need to enjoy their childhood, and they need to enjoy the privileges and take and learn that responsibilities are one of the privileges of age. And once they get a little older and in their into their teens. They should have an allowance. They should be spending money of their own. And the allowance should cover, if they're buying their own lunch at school, should cover lunch, maybe a snack, and maybe a little bit more uh, for discretionary purchases, like getting some popcorn at, at the movies at the end of the week, which I know is $25 in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I asked my dad, I said, why don't I get an allowance? Other kids are getting an allowance. He said, I can happily give you allowance, but with it comes the responsibility. That means that if we go to the movies, you buy your own ticket. And I thought that over for a while. Ah, this, this is not going to be a real good deal. I'll just ride, ride on their giveaways while I, while I can. I had a buddy when I was a kid. He was an Italian family, and not only didn't he get an allowance, uh, he had to pay a portion of his paper route to make sure his tires were inflated the next morning. Oh, man. <laughs> so once, once again, if they do have an allowance, there should be responsibilities associated with it. I'm not sure that the punishment part of it works well. But the responsibilities would be other tasks around the house. But once they have a discretionary budget, they start learning that now they have some money that they can control, that they can spend on the things that they truly want. And all of their necessities are covered because they're children. And if they do want to buy something that's larger than their discretionary budget will allow, the parents can assist them in that purchase. Maybe it takes two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, but the parents should never just pay for this new discretionary purchase. They should uh, help the the child see that their child is using their own resources to get what they want. So, okay, let's so they, fast they, forward. So they loan them the money with interest? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of dysfunctional families around, so I guess that would be true for some. <laughs> All right, let's fast forward 30 years from childhood, okay? So 
I spent all of my allowance and all of my babysitting money. I started babysitting for a family up the street from me when I was like 12 and a half. And every Friday and Saturday night, I worked for this family who had one little girl and then two little girls. And I babysat for them from the time I was 12 to the time I was 18, right? So I had no social life on the weekends because I babysat every weekend. And I spent all of my allowance and discretionary money on Partridge Family albums and Osmond Family albums. And I had a a complete collection of albums. Fast forward 30 years, my mother puts the house on the market that I grew up in. My albums were all in boxes in the basement. She had an album collector person come and paid her like $10 for the whole box of pristine albums that I spent every penny of my life with. So it sounds like you're good at family dynamics, Richard. Um, So is is that defendable in court if something should happen to my mother? (laughs) (laughs) It was my money. Remember, it was discretionary income that purchased it. You used your discretion to leave it in her control. You should have taken responsibility to take it with you when you moved out. No, I should have saved my money and not lived in a 300 square foot apartment in New York City where I didn't have space to put my albums. And it's the Partridge family. That's the only album that went down as soon as it sold, man. My dad still would, my dad would torture himself looking up in uh, baseball card collector's guides for uh, his 1932 a complete set of the uh, National and American League ball teams. He had wow. the, he had the complete set. Left them uh, when he went away to the war, and they they weren't there when he when he came back. And he would torture himself all the time looking it up in catalogs how much that set would 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 go for. And I'd be like, Dad, uh, you know why that's so valuable? Because everybody's mom did that when you when they went to war. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, even when you went to college. <laughs> so, right. Richard, one more thing to talk about here. And, you know, your, your your book is about living the good life. And what is the good life? How do you define that? So the good life is really uh, a, a, a concept, and it's made of five truths. And when you achieve the good life, that means you're successful. That means you're secure. That means you're on track with living the life that you really want to live. But the, the five truths are that the money is not, uh, money is always a limited resource. Um, that there's never, there's never an unlimited source of money for anybody. Um, Except the U.S. government. And Jeff Bezos. Well, remember the U.S. government didn't have as much money as they're spending. They had to create it. So we're not in that position yet because I, I don't know printers that have that special paper. <laughs> I know a guy got some, but, you know, not a lot anymore. Also, uh, money doesn't make you happy. Money can buy things that make you happy, but money as a goal it's, it does not bring you happiness. So you need to move away from that. Um, you, need, you need to make sure that um, you identify the things that are important to you. And um, once you achieve the good life, once you're on track, you will have less personal stress. You won't have any debt collectors calling you. You won't have the destructive habit of always having more month than you have in your budget. And you can set an example for others to follow. That can be your legacy 
and it could be uh, something really positive for you to give to other people. And it also reinforces your own good habits. So living a good life means really achieving a successful life for yourself and living in these truths that money is a resource, it's not a goal, and money itself doesn't make you happy. So there's no reason that you have to accumulate it excessively. You accumulate it to achieve the things that you want. And isn't the, isn't the primary golden rule always don't spend more than you make? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and debt is the one thing that drives us into the ground. It means spending tomorrow's wealth today. So it, it robs you of your future success, your future security, your future retirement, your future achievements. So debt is really not the best way to go, um, except in four reasons. There are four reasons to have debt. And that's for an automobile for you and your spouse if you're married, education for you and your spouse, again, if you're married, to buy a home and for emergency purposes. Any debt outside of those four purposes is purely discretionary and should be um, eliminated as soon as possible. Huh, what, it, it mentioned stuff like food. I guess we just pay cash. You can't go into debt for food. Oh. Unless, you, unless you got a tab at the local restaurant and you just never pay it. Or you walk out early. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we weren't talking about things that were illegal, Richard. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, one more thing. One more thing, and we will let you go. And that is, what do you recommend uh, to keep people motivated? You know, they're, they're, okay, they set goals. They're working towards their goals. But like everybody, after a while, you just lose your motivation. I lost a lot during the pandemic just because, you know, there, it, nothing was there. What, what do you recommend for people to keep their goals? So in order, in order to, to really uh, keep you motivated, you have to set a goal. And, and the goal can be short-term and also long-term. So when you're, when you're thinking about really getting off of the poverty track and onto the success track, you wanna set a series of goals. The first one's not even money-related, just to see that you can stick to a goal. Do you wanna lose weight? Maybe you wanna to learn to wake up at 7 a.m. every morning, whether you need to or not. Uh, whatever it is, just a personal goal, just so that you can get some success under your belt immediately. The next thing is to pick a long-term goal, like between five and 10 years, something that's aspirational, like taking a worldwide trip or buying a brand new car or going on a personal adventure, something that you can achieve over a long period of time so that saving up for that is not such a hardship. The next thing is maybe setting a, a monthly goal. A monthly goal would be to change the way you, you live your life starting to cook healthy instead of eating out um, is, is one way to do that. Hiring Start a personal chef to cook healthy for you. That is my goal. I think that's a five-year goal. <laughs> and then setting a six-month goal. And the six-month goal is where you get into actually managing the money that you have. And that's when you sit down and look at all of the things that you have to buy to support your current lifestyle, comparing that to the income that you have to see if you have enough income to support your lifestyle. If you do, then you may have some discretionary income left over, and that eventually will go to pay down your debt and then go into some sort of savings program 
to pay for those uh, one-year and five-year goals. What if you don't? If you don't, you either have to reduce some of the things that you're spending on now, which means changing your lifestyle, which is very hard, very difficult for most people. But or the alternative is to generate more income in your life. So other than hiring uh, or marrying somebody that's wealthy, uh, you can go out and get a second job. You can work overtime. You can do babysitting services. You can buy groceries for the elderly who are shut-ins. There are a lot of things you can do to generate additional income on a part-time basis just to make up for your... your How does uh, buying groceries income? for the elderly generate income unless you, you're taking a few of the, you know, boxes of oatmeal off the top. You're not giving them the all the steaks. <laughs> <laughs> you charge them a fee for the service, just like Uber Oh, does. okay. It sounded like buying for the elderly sounded like a sounded like a charitable cause. Uh, no, no, no. You, you, you are their personal Nothing shoppers. Nothing for charity. For Nothing for charity. Get out of the way of my goals. <laughs> <laughs> Let them eat cake. <laughs> And let somebody else bake it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you're over your budget, oh, not your budget, but you're overspending, you got to quit buying certain things. Like I have completely, just to save money, completely quit purchasing kale. I will not get it in any form, you know, even I, so. So you didn't even have to change your lifestyle better. for that one. Yeah, I didn't. No, not at all. Richard, thank you so much for joining us here on another day above ground. Where can people go to get more information about you, possibly hire you as a speaker? Uh, the website is www.ramcpa.com. Uh, if they want to email me, it's richard at ramcpa.com. Um, I'd be happy to talk to anybody about uh, any projects that they have or if they'd like to learn more about how they can live the good life. Thank you very much, and, uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day today because it's another day above ground. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. Once again, we'd like to thank Richard Melanson. And I'll, I'll keep pronouncing that until I get it correctly, and then I'll go to France and, and use his name. But uh, <laughs> if you want to get a copy of that book of his, You Can Afford the Good Life, go to his, uh, his website and uh, check it out, or also you can get it on Amazon. Other than that, We'd like to thank you all for being with us this week on another day above ground. Uh, uh, Carolyn, do you have anything final to say? I do. I am going to set my goal of having a personal chef because that needs to happen. This this <laughs> microwaving of food can't possibly be good for me. <laughs> you could you could learn. You know that's that's another option. No, no, no. Here's the thing. I've tried. It's like organizing, right? Like recipes bug me because they're so detail oriented. I can't just throw in a bunch of vanilla and some flour and see how it comes out. It doesn't, you know, measuring is just, yeah, it's no, just. You need annoying. to follow instructions. Yeah. And... Yeah, no. <laughs> so I need to hire somebody who can fire, follow instructions and let them cook for me. So that's my goal. All right. Tim, how about you? Anything to leave the folks with? Yeah, my goal is to get my calendar filled up. I've already got a couple dates in Illinois. So check out my website at timslegel.com uh, and maybe you can come see me live. And and my goal is to um, live to be 100 and then be shot by a jealous husband. That's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> I so see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
When I ask you to visit DaleIrvin.com, you can sign up for the Friday Funnies and get it free in your email every week. And also visit AnotherDayAboveGround.com, and you can leave us an email there and let us know if perhaps you'd like to be a guest. Other than that, on behalf of Carolyn and Tim and our guest Richard, enjoy today. It is Another Day Above Ground. And that's it for Another Day Above Ground. For Dale, Tim, and Carolyn, I'm Farad Muhammad. Thanks for listening.